0: Good morning, fellowship. We are so glad that you're here to worship the Lord our God with us. We come here to do that, to worship in spirit and in truth and to hear the word of the Lord and to respond in adoration and praise. So this morning, we're gonna hear the word taught uh, by Mickey and we're also going to sing the word together. And so since we want you to sing with us, uh, we're gonna be teaching you a new song later in the service. And uh, I'm going to teach it, teach the chorus to you right now. So take it in and then we'll invite you to sing it with us here in a moment. Oh, praise
1: to the Lord most high. Oh, praise to the one who saved my life. Oh, praise to Jesus Christ, High King of heaven, my King forever.
0: Try and sing that with us. Here we go. All praise. All
1: praise to the Lord most high. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ. I, King
2: of heaven, my King forever. All right. That's not too hard, is it? Thanks for both those responses. That was great. It's not too hard, is it? No, beautiful song about our King, and we are so excited to be with you, fellowship family, celebrating Jesus, our King, and celebrating what He made possible for us. You know, as Pat shared, we're going to be worshiping Him uh, through song, reminding ourselves of who He is and what He's done. We're going to Worship through hearing the word of God and exploring how his truth can completely transform our lives. But then we're going to leave this place with a choice a choice of how are we as a family going to allow this experience together in his presence to transform us, to change us? What are we going to do with it? How are we going to embrace the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John? 10, 10, how are we going to authentically express Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs some good news, amen? So we're gonna give you just a moment before we move on, just to uh, ask God to meet you in this space. And as Olivia plays, we just encourage you, just ask him to speak to you this morning, okay? Take this moment.
3: hey fellowship rogers we have some exciting news for those of you who are unable to join us in person for a sunday service you can now join the 9:30 a.m service live on youtube we are really excited to add youtube as a streaming option not only will this allow you to watch services easily on your tv but you will also find original music from fellowship worship and training center classes and in the near future, we will be adding children's services as well as announcements. Visit fellowshiprogers.org YouTube for more information and be sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell on the channel so you will be alerted every time a new video is added. So gather up your family in your living room, open the YouTube app on your smart TV or streaming device, locate Fellowship Rogers under your subscriptions channel list, then watch the service live together. We look forward to worshiping online with you any day, anytime.
4: And good morning, fellowship. My name is Derek Horn, and I'm the Springdale community pastor. And our family definitely loves serving the city of Springdale. And uh, we moved into a really quiet neighborhood. And we have three elementary children that we allow to ride around on the streets with their scooters and golf balls and soccer balls and basketballs are flying into neighbor's yards and into their flower beds. And so if you retired and moved into Harbor Meadows, sorry about that, whoops. So hit the QR code behind me on the screen for all the special things that are happening here at Fellowship. And also, I would like to personally welcome all of you that are serving and worshiping with us online, so so glad that you joined us this morning. I'm sure you saw in the, in the video that we now have our own YouTube channel, so please enjoy that resource as well. I um, also wanted to thank you for worshiping with us face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder. There's nothing quite like worshiping together with your family, but I wanna challenge you to do something. Let's take it to the 1993 levels when we were worshiping in the family center and I showed up with my JVU friends. Man, we were sitting in the aisles and standing on the walls. Let's, let's pack this place out for Christ again. Fellowship, I'd like to introduce you to a special family. They are the Dina and Jared Robinson family, so come on up with your, with your four awesome boys. So Jared and I have a special bond I met Jared about four years ago in the foyer. I introduced myself. The first thing he said to me is, and I quote, dude, when is the men's ski trip? I'm like, man, I, I like this guy, I like this guy. So the Robinsons, longtime Springdale family, serving and leading community groups in Springdale for many years. Also, Jared and Dina were working in the corporate world and God started to work on their hearts about something that he wanted to do in and through them. So, Jared, could you share with us this morning about that? I
5: can. Thanks, Derek. Good morning, fellowship. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. As Derek mentioned, that's my beautiful wife, Dina, our four boys, Gabriel, Joshua, Ben, and Zach. Hey, guys, several years ago, the Holy Spirit did. He started moving in our hearts and my family's life to head to the mission field. And I'm excited to get to share with you briefly this morning about that. This fall, late summer, our family's heading to Central Asia with a goal of seeing a church planted, a church planted where there currently is no churches, a place in Disciples Made where there are no known believers. And so as we continue to transition there, guys, will you partner with us and will you pray about um, our family heading there to to see this work done, uh, to help us see the uh, fellowship mission statement accomplished? to produce and release spiritual leaders who know the authentic Christ. Thank you. Can I pray for you, Jared?
4: Lord, ultimately, this is a big win for your kingdom. And we give you all the glory for what you've done. And then through their hearts, Father, we thank you that you have already gone before them to Central Asia, Lord. We know that you will provide the people Of your family to partner with them to send them out and to continue to love on them and build that relationship and trust with them as they make disciples in jesus name amen
2: let's stand and celebrate that our god is still changing lives
0: the sacrifice that Jesus made and our response. being an altar and psalm 3 says it this way that in the morning we lift up our voice to the lord and that he hears us and that he calls us to lay our life on the altar and to watch for him to move because he is faithful paul says it this way in romans 12 that we are to offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice holy pleasing to him for this is our spiritual act of worship so would you stand with us this morning as we continue to worship their song? And may we be inspired to worship now and to worship with all of our lives as we sing.
1: And I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't.
2: many over the years because it declares unashamedly that there is nothing like our God. Our God is sovereign over all. There's no sorrow. There's no heartache. There's no wound. There's no discouragement. That is too big for him. But the words that we're about to sing are of particular importance because they declare more than any sorrow more than any victory, more than any riches, or more than any comfort, Jesus, you are better. But it's a prayer that asks, God, help me with my doubt. Help me with my disbelief. Help me to trust in your promises to know that they are true and we can stand on them. And so it kind of begs the question, what are you bringing into this place, in this room, this morning? Where you need to say, more than this, Jesus is better. Jesus is sovereign. He is bigger. More than this. But, oh God, help me with my doubt. Help me to stand on your promises and to trust that you will do what you say you'll do. So I want to give you a minute just to think about that. More than this, Jesus, you are better. Go there with me. Commit that to Him.
6: It's good to see this room full again. Almost there, aren't we? Great job, worship team. Your voice is just singing out through those masks. Thank you. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said that if I try to hang on to my life and everything in this world, that I'll lose it. If I try to hang on to my life, I'll lose it. He said, What profit is it to you, really, if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? See, my life doesn't belong to me. I've been bought with a price, I belong to Him. And therefore, it's just pretense if I try to. Live like it all belongs to me. Last week, John Barclay reminded us of this. God uses his people to accomplish his plans for his purpose. That's us. God uses his people to accomplish his plans for his purpose. And he reminded us of the children of Israel that because of their disobedience, they had been taken captive. The northern kingdom by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom by the Babylonians, and and the, the Judah had been taken to Babylon. They'd been there for 70 years, and they got pretty comfortable. They got complacent. They assimilated. They liked watching the live stream in their pajamas and sipping their coffee. It was hard to get back up and get out there. They knew that going back to Jerusalem was going to mean a lot of work. They they were going to have to rebuild Jerusalem. They were going to have to rebuild the walls. They were going to have to rebuild the temple. And it was just kind of nice. They had lost sight of the joy that comes when God uses his people to accomplish his plans for his purpose. Being a part of that is what joyful living comes from. And that's what we're gonna talk about today is the generosity of life and and the joy that comes from the generosity of life, that a generous life is a fulfilled life. And that's what we're all looking for, isn't it? Fulfillment. We we don't want to come to the end of our days and and, and not be fulfilled. And you just thought, he just said that word generosity. He's gonna talk about money. And I brought a guest. (laughs) He does it every time. Well, we are going to talk about money just a little bit because that's a part of living a generous life. But it's much broader than that, isn't it? Living a generous life isn't just about money. Jesus talked about money a lot. Over half of his parables have something to do with money or possessions. Did you know that? Half of his parables. 288 times in the Gospels something is mentioned about money or possessions. And in the entire Bible, over 2,000 times money and possessions are mentioned. Why? It's because God knows that that gets at the root of our selfishness and our hoarding. Pulling it all in, keeping it for ourselves. He knows that there's something that needs to be Unlocked inside us so that we might experience the joy and the fulfillment of generous living. We're going to talk about that today. You know, I sent you something this week in the fellowship news. I know that everyone read it. But that, you know, fellowship right now, and and we thought this would happen because of COVID. But our giving has slowed, slowed, slowed. And we're about a million behind, dollars behind where we were this time last year. Now, because of your past generosity and the frugality of our staff, I'm not throwing up the, the red warning flag yet, but it's time for us to turn the tide. We've got Fellowship Bentonville coming. It's not time for us to lose ground. It's time for us to take ground. And so we've got to turn that tide and get back to the positive. In Mark 12. I want to share something with you. Mark 12, verse 38. Jesus contrasts people who pretend to live generously with those who actually do live generously. He said, as he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. He's about to bust them. They like to walk around in flowing robes. And be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows, note that. They devour widows' houses for a show to make, and make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. I was talking to Mark Bailey last week. was down in Dallas for the inaugural of the new president there at Dallas Theological Seminary. And Mark, we were just talking. He didn't know I was teaching this passage this next week. And we were talking, and he said one of the pastors at their church in Fort Worth was teaching on Mark 12. And, and he entitled his message, The Peacock and the Pigeon. And you just remember how beautiful a peacock is and how they strut around with their beautiful feathers. And that's, in the sermon, he compared the religious leaders to peacocks. That they would go through the marketplaces strutting around like they were really something. What he didn't know, it was, there was a lady in the congregation that day who was wearing a blouse with a big peacock on it. As the service went on, she just kept sliding down, and she told him after the service she would never wear that blouse to church again. <laughs> but in the next phrase, and, and this is an, an incredible thing to me, I I love thinking about the context of this story because this this is the week that Jesus will die. And every day he's staying in Bethany and he's walking across the Mount of Olives to teach in the temple. And they show you the picture of the temple here. That, that, that's a model of the temple complex, but let's show them there the little highlighted portion. That's where he was teaching in the court of the women or what they call the treasury, the temple treasury. That, that was the spot where he was teaching. And, and Mark 12, verse 41 says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and just watched the crowd. He was just looking. He was watching the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And, and they were big metal receptacles. And so when they threw their money in, it made a lot of noise. And many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow, remember in the previous section, he talked about how the rich people trumped on the widows. Or the religious leaders didn't treat them kindly. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, this this is a teaching moment. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, he said to the guys, we would see it. "Hey, Hey, come here, guys, listen up. Listen up. This is a teaching moment. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all She had to live on. That day there in the temple, the person who Jesus admired and esteemed most was this poor widow who gave everything. And why? She was giving her life away, what we're talking about today. She discovered the joy of generous living because she gave everything that she had. And that's what God wants to. For us he wants to accomplish his plan through us for his purpose we've had a great example of that already this morning the robinson family leaving it all on the field they're picking up their four children and they're going they're going because they believe that's what god has called them to do a beautiful illustration you know, there are days when I've had so many things going on, just meeting from early in the morning till night and it's dark and I'm up here and, and uh, I think all I want to go home, all I want to do is just go home and get something to eat and just rest for a little while. And then I'll remember there's someone at the hospital or there's something I need to do for someone. And you know what? I'll do that. I'll go to the hospital or whatever it is. And I walk away from that refreshed. It's just like I've got new energy. I'm energized. And I see many of you shaking your heads. You know the feeling. You'll just be worn out. But if you go out of your way to do something for somebody, you discover the joy of giving your life away. Doing something for somebody. Paul was at the end of his life. And boy, there's a guy who left it all on the field, right? He was at the end of of his life and and pretty much everyone had deserted him. He had become sort of toxic, you know. He said uh, to Timothy that, uh, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. There was a time, if you'll read in Acts 19, where it says that everyone in the province of Asia is following this guy, but not anymore. Not anymore. But then we read about Anessaforus. His name means help bringer. And Paul mentions Anesiphorus. We don't know a lot about him. He's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. But Paul said, May, at the end of his book to Timothy, he said, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, he searched hard for when I was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord the grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day, that day when we stand before Christ. Paul was wishing him the very, very best on that day. Forest was the help bringer who brought help to Paul when he was down. He was an example for all of us. Don't forget that name. Elton Trueblood wrote this. He said, perhaps the greatest single weakness of the contemporary Christian church is that millions of peacocks, I mean supposed members, are not really involved at all. And what is worse, do not think it strange that they are not. There is no real chance of victory in a campaign if 90% of the soldiers are untrained and uninvolved. But that is exactly where we stand now. Most alleged Christians do not understand that loyalty to Christ means sharing personally in his ministry, going or staying as the situation requires. Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians tell us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Onesiphorus saw clearly what needed to be done, and he did something about it. That's what we need to do. That's the joy of living generously. Mindy Cup was a help bringer in the life of Mary Carolyn McKinney. Mindy's on your right. Mary Carolyn's to the left. Mindy Mindy had dreamed of going to Israel with us and in 2016, the trip was coming up. She had saved her money. She was going to Israel. She was so excited about it. But then in 2015, as a matter of fact, if you're interested in going to Israel with us, remember we've got a trip going this fall. We've got a trip going next spring. Nick Rowland will be taking her group this fall. I'll be taking her group in the spring. If you want to go, now's the time to do it. Israel at fellowshipnwa.org. Let us know and and, and we'll get you signed up or get you the information you need. But Mindy was so excited about it. And then in 2015, she found out that Mary Carolyn needed a kidney transplant. And then she found out that she was a match. She immediately abandoned this life dream of a trip to Israel so that she could give a kidney to Mary Carolyn. She's one of my life heroes when I saw what that young girl did to help save her friend. There was a guy by the name of Dante Bassi, an old guy with a good hat. I met him in Istanbul, Turkey, and we were sitting at a table together. We were on a trip where we were tracing the journeys of Paul and the seven churches of Revelation And it's a hard trip, man. I I tell you, you do a lot of walking, and it was hot. And we did a lot of climbing. And I met Dante that night in Istanbul, and he was from New New York originally and had been a stockbroker and investment counselor up there. And And immediately when he found out I was from northwest Arkansas, he started peppering me with questions about Walmart. Walmart this, Walmart that, Walmart this, and all that. And I said, I don't know. All I know is what I read. I I don't know about how stable Walmart is, but I think it's a pretty good company, you know. And he kept peppering me, and he was in his 90s. And I was a little worried about Dante on this trip. And one day, we were about to take a trip to a place where we're just going to be walking and cutting our way through like a jungle, you know, and get to this open place where these beautiful cities have been excavated. And and I told Dante, I said, Dante, you may want to sit this one out. It's really hot, and there's going to be a lot of climbing. And Dante looked at me, and he said, I did not come to observe I did not come to observe. What about you in the Christian life? Are you just there observing? Don Reed and Ray Reed moved to Northwest Arkansas in 2011 to be closer to their families. Special, special couple. And he had retired from the pastorate after over 40 years in in ministry. Uh, But really, as as, uh, Dick Nervig calls it, it's being redeployed. That's what Don wanted to be. I I interviewed him in a podcast on The Ride Home on November the 4th and 11th. And if you want to listen to that, it's a tremendous, amazing story of his life. But Don and Ray came here, and uh, they were attending our Saturday night services, Fellowship Mosaic. And uh, Chip Jackson and Mark Shotsman took them out to meet them, and, and they were gracious. But Mark found out that, that Don was retired, and so he decided to kind of take it slow, you know, go easy. And then he met with them again, and uh, Don just said, you know, we really like fellowship, but if you're not going to put us to work, we'll go somewhere else. Mark didn't expect to hear that. If you're not going to put us to work doing something, then we'll just go somewhere else. And he said, well, what do you like to do? And Don said, well, he was passionate about stewardship, and Ray was passionate about administration, and ever since then, they have been pouring their lives into fellowship, giving their lives away to help us live fulfilled lives. This week I remembered a video that they did uh, about Don's Align class that he teaches here. And I think it's one of the best introductions I could give him because people are reviewing the class. And so here, watch this video and then Don's going to come talk to you for a minute.
2: I would recommend the Align class because it um, not only talks about financial health but it also points you to the Bible which um, in my mind is the most important part of finding our um, finances to be aligned with God.
3: I would recommend the Align class because it reveals the joy of handling your finances by giving you a comprehensive biblical standpoint from God's perspective and not the world's.
7: Finances are a huge part of our life and so if we want to surrender our lives to God, this is one big area to do it. It
6: reemphasizes and acknowledges that everything, all, is given to us from God, and we need to be good stewards and take care of it with a
4: heart of obedience to Him.
2: It really does help you focus and and know God's Word uh, when it comes to money and things, and uh, the importance of laying up treasure in heaven versus here on the earth.
5: We learned that it doesn't matter if you're broke, living paycheck to paycheck, or even if you have more money than you know what to do with, everybody, you know, should uh, be responsible with what God's entrusted us uh, with here on this earth.
3: I would recommend the Align class because it's assisted me with just giving me a strong biblical foundation for my finances, and it's really allowed me just to see the generosity of God and um, just how we are able to model that and then give that to others. This basically gets you back to the heart of worship.
5: And, and what it's all about. It's about generosity, it's about giving, because God gave to us and nothing belongs to us.
0: My husband wanted to go, so I just decided to do the wife thing and to go, but oh, I was so shocked. My eyes were not only opened, my heart was open. We're starting to think like God's stewards that he wants us to be, so do not miss this class. This is my favorite class.
7: heard that word. Do not miss this class. I'm going to invite you at the end of my time up here to the class. But first, Mickey, I want to say thanks to you. And as working with your staff, the staff, the congregations of fellowship invited us in 10 years ago. We were praying for a church where we would have good worship, where we'd have good teaching. We'd have small groups. We'd have an opportunity to serve. And I'm always interested to hear the story of how I express that to Mark and Chip. It grows every time. But thank you very much. You know, there was was a a rightful thing about being suspicious. We moved from the, it's called granola country, the land of fruits and nuts in California. So uh, I understand the hesitation on it along the way. Well, a few weeks ago when Mickey asked uh, if I would share in uh, this generosity message, my mind quickly went to the verses that are on the screen here behind me. Because they, in such a compact and pointed way, talk about the journey of generosity that we're invited into. So follow along with the verses uh, uh, on the screen. It's written by the Apostle Paul later in his life, writing to a young preacher by the name of Timothy. And he says these words, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God. Who so richly provides everything for us to enjoy. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, and to be willing to share. And in this way, we will lay up treasures for ourselves uh, to prepare for the coming age, so that we may take hold of life that is really life. The reason I like this passage is not only because it's concise, but it breaks out very nicely in who who it's talking about, what we're supposed to do, and why we should be doing it. So let's take a look at them. First of all, who? Uh, Paul starts out by saying, command those who are rich in this present world. But if you're like me, when I think, am I rich or not? I think, well, no, I I see people who are really rich. I noticed the uh, posting for this month, April 2021, the top people of wealth in our country. Uh, First one, Jeff Bezos. The second one, Elon Musk. The third, Bill Gates. And I say, well, those are the rich people. But notice the whole phrase that, that Paul puts here. Command those who are rich in the present world. Currently, there are about 7.9 billion people in our world. And God looks down as the creator of every one of those people, and he sees the range of the ways that, that, that people live. And he's saying, take a look down from where you are, or in comparison to the whole, uh, the whole range of 7.9 billion people. I put some data points here that will maybe help us reconcile a little bit of who we are here in Northwest Arkansas. In the U.S, uh, we have arbitrarily drawn a line of where poverty is. And you'll see it's, 2,65. 26, five. Uh, well, living at that level, which is uh, for a household of four, 26,500, that puts that family in the two percent the 98th percentile of wealth in the 79 billion, 7.9 billion people in the world. If you move that up to 50,000, uh, then it, you get into the 1 percentile, the 99th percentile of wealth. What do we, uh, what's the average here in northwest Arkansas? 42,000 and change. So you can see that composite, the highs and the lows of northwest Arkansas, uh, we would be somewhere in the 1 or 2 percent. So it gets a little bit more difficult to say, well, it's those people that are at the top of the pile when God says, look at all the people and then try to figure out where we are. Well, if we reconcile ourselves to the fact that we may be rich in comparison to the whole world, then we go to the, what are we supposed to do then? If Timothy was supposed to talk to the rich people and say, do this, it it very clearly is pointed out in uh, the next verse, verse 18. It says, command those folks to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Let's just start with that pairing first. Very interesting that the word good that that is used here is only used one other place in the New Testament, and it is used of God himself. Paul is trying to explain to pagans in a city called Lystra of who the God was that he served. And here are the words that he used. Paul said to the folks that day, Nevertheless, he, God, did not leave himself without witness in that he did good. That's our word. Do good, be rich in good deeds. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Uh, In another place, it says that uh, God gives rain to the just and the unjust. The good that's being talked about here is not just for the household of God but in fact for anyone among the 7.9 million people. So we are called to do good, look for opportunities to do good, and then be known for being rich in good deeds. for saying yes when there is an opportunity. I was uh, uh, not, only, uh, not only impressed, but convicted by one man who wrote about this and how he lived out this doing good and being rich in good deeds. And he said, when I go to the store to shop, I look for somebody to do good for I don't know about you, when I go to the store to shop, I want in, I want out, I want to go about my schedule. And you go, wow, that, that's an amazing way to apply these verses. Do good. Look at that lady who is, can't quite reach that thing on the shelf. Or look at that person who's wrestling with a pet food bag that's too heavy into the shopping cart or into the trunk. And you go over and you say, may I help you? Doing good, being rich in good deeds. In the next verse, we're going to see why following that formula is is very, very important. The second phrasing is to be generous and to be willing to share. And uh, we've heard in teaching over the years, whether you've been here or somewhere else, that God was very specific in using words that had a particular meaning. And the word generous here is very particularly talking about money and possessions. (laughs) One commentator interestingly observed, You know, sometimes we want to kind of go out the side door on this word generous. We say, well, I don't have any money, but I'll be generous with my time. I'll I'll help usher or I'll work in the student department or something. But the the commentator observed and said this. If this was about time, these verses would have started a different way. Paul would have said to Timothy, command those who have a lot of time on their hands to be generous. (laughs) You got it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's pretty pointed. It's talking about money. Be generous and willing to share. Way back, Martin Luther, back in the Reformation time, a few hundred years ago, in translating this verse from the Greek, noticed that that word meant to take, um, when somebody has a need, to take money, give it to them, lend it to them, in whatever way, help to fulfill that need. So it says to, to be generous and willing to share, holding material things loosely. And if God says, give it over here, and be willing to give it. Now, the why comes in the last two verses. A lot of us may have taken a job somewhere because of the good benefits—a retirement program, company car, you know, fringe benefits, whatever they might be. Time off. Uh, here's the benefits package uh, for accepting this offer from God in the formula we we're talking about this morning. And the first phrase is to lay up a firm foundation for the coming age. These four words have implications that would take a number of messages to cover. But here's the point of it that there is something happening when we do good, we are rich in good deeds, when we are generous, and when we are willing to share, that in fact lays a foundation for eternity. I'm going to show you the cover of a book, and you may want to get your phone out, but I would remind each of us that. Anything that's on the slides week by week, Mickey, they're available in the teaching slides from that service, right? Anywhere in fellowship. So if you don't get it on your phone, you can look it up later. But Bruce Wilkinson has unpacked this concept of rewards in heaven. We say, my reward is my salvation. Actually, there's more than that. And this is one verse, a firm foundation for the coming age. Something is being recorded about when we do a good deed. We're rich, we're generous, and we're willing to share. And then the second part, uh, so that we may take hold of life, that is really life. Uh, Jesus is quoted in Acts 20.35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we say we believe it, but sometimes we have trouble following through on that. We all do, and we all have to work at that. But we were really created to give, to be giving people like God is a giving person and gave his only son. Now, my illustration for this is about a blouse, and Mickey and I had not compared our notes, and we came together, we said, oh, I have a story of a blouse. (laughs) We had to tell each other our story to make sure we didn't have the same peacock blouse. Here's my blouse story, Uh, and it's found in a book. You'll see the title on the last slide, Uh, but it's about a lady Bible study leader who went by the initials MC, and MC told her friend, the author, uh, one, one year during Lent, I challenged the ladies in my Bible study to give up something that was really important to you and not replace it. And she said, I thought, that'll be easy. I, you know, I have plenty of stuff. That's, that's no problem at all. And she said uh, a couple days later when she was uh, getting ready to walk her kids to school, uh, she put on a very nice blouse that she really loved, and she walked her kids to school, checked in with the, ch- with the school secretary, and the secretary said, Oh, MC, that is the prettiest blouse that I have ever seen. That is beautiful. And she said, God nudged me and said, Take it off. <laughs> she said, I could have done that. I had, some, I had a shirt on underneath it. But she said, I didn't do it. And that night, she couldn't go to sleep because God was talking to her. Um, MC, That call was for you, the blouse. So the next morning, she boxed it up, put a ribbon around it, went to school, and went into the secretary's office and said, "Uh, here's the blouse that I was wearing yesterday. I want to give it to you, and I want you to know that God really loves you. The lady took it, started opening it up, and tears started running down her face, and here's what she said to M.C., she held it up. She said, this is the most beautiful blouse I have ever seen. Thank you so much. You must really know God. And in the continuing story that I don't have time to tell, uh, it told about subsequent conversations that the secretary had. Open it up. Now what was more important, the blouse that she could keep or that opening to be a witness for Christ? The summary is found in this uh, quote uh, from, from the book. When will we take hold of the abundant life or the life that is truly life, as Paul wrote in these verses? When will we take hold of that? Not after we die, but after we give. In fact, after each time we give. Uh, Ray and I have been more intentionally, more aggressively pursuing this life that is described in these three verses because we believe in it and we, <laughs> we don't want to miss the offer of a generous God who gives us so much and just asks us to be willing to share it with others. Don't miss God's offer. John, thank you so much. Uh, How do we embrace that abundant life? Tell us some
6: opportunities coming up Ah, to learn more about it.
7: Yeah, the Align class will be coming up on June 6th. Hope to see a number of you uh, there. Some after the first service said, hey, I want to be in that class, and I would invite you. Uh, But here is the, and we'll talk about the things of generosity and giving and spending and debt and mortgages and credit and retirement. We go through all of those in a six-week period of time. But here's the breaking news, Mickey, that this will be the first time at Fellowship that we'll be able to offer every person who goes through the class a free will and a free trust if you need one. You can either get yours revised if you already have it, or have one written for you. Fellowship is partnering with this ministry that does this for people of the family of God. Mm -hmm. And we're going to offer that as a part of the class. Love to see you there. Absolutely. Would you join me in thanking Don for sharing
6: with us? (laughs) I think that young man has a lot of possibility. When he tells you about something about Timothy, he was there. So you remember that. I love the got-ups of the Bible. I love the got-ups. When the paralyzed man was placed before Jesus, Jesus told him to get up. And you know what he did? He got up. And when God lays something on your heart, when God tells us like this lady to do something, when we feel that tug, we just need to get up. That's the first step, taking that first step. Don and Ray did not come to observe it came to get actively involved. I've got an image of a football field here I want to put on the screen, show you that. You know, where are you? Would you place yourself here somewhere? Are you on the field where the action is? Are you in the middle of the game? Or are you just enjoying every second of it? Are you up in the stands just content to watch? Let everybody else do the work. Are you on the bench just looking for a place to get in? Let us help you find that place. Let us help you discover your gift. Or are you in the showers? He said, I've done my part. I'm done. Let somebody else do it for a while. Oh, come on. Don and Ray could have done that. He had every right to retire and just take a break. But that's not what God wanted for he and his wife. We need to jump in. Frances Ridley Havergal was a lady who was born in England in 1836. She wrote a poem called, Take My Life. Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. A hymn that we know so well and we're about to sing it in just a moment. She wrote that hymn in 1874 and 1878. She found out that she was dying. She told her doctor, If I'm really going, it's too good to be true. That's the kind of relationship she had with the Lord. And she wrote this to a friend. She was getting rid of all her belongings. She said, the Lord has shown me another little step. And of course, I've taken it with extreme delight. Take my silver and my gold, which is one of the verses of the... the, now means shipping off all my ornaments to the church missionary house, including a jewel cabinet that is really fit for a countess, where all will be accepted and disposed of for me. Nearly 50 articles are being packed up. I don't think I've ever packed a box with such pleasure. That's what you'll find when you give your life away. You'll pack that box and pack it with pleasure. It's about giving ourselves away because the generous life is the joyful, fulfilled life. Think about that. Think about your life as we sing this song.
2: May that be our prayer as a family. Like I said earlier, we have a choice to make. we allow what happens in this place together as a family in his presence affect how we live out there? My prayer is that it will. For his glory and for our good. If you need prayer this morning, I encourage you, as always, our prayer team, they love praying for this family. And they're available each and every week. You can just walk down that hall and the parishes will be there to pray with you. But God bless you. Have a great afternoon.